Once again, good morning to you. Just singing that last song brings really brings home while we're here. To be in the presence of one so holy causes us certainly to humble ourselves and to think seriously about who we are before God. This morning I'd like for us to focus on the word prepare. Prepare. The word prepare is a key word in being a Christian. Christians prepare for the big day, the day of the Lord, the final day, the judgment day. As 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 says, we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive those things done in the body, whether it be good or bad. Christians prepare for everyday living, everyday living. Luke 9, 23 says, we take up the cross daily. Follow our Lord. Titus 3 1 says, We are to be ready unto every good work. And so we prepare for every day. Every day is a service to our Lord. We also prepare to share the good news of the gospel, the light of the gospel. We make constant preparation about that. 1 Peter 3 15 says, To sanctify Jesus in your hearts as Lord. And to be ready always to give an answer to anyone who might ask you of the reason or the hope that is in you. So we're ready. We're constantly prepared. Paul says as he was heading to Rome, Romans 1, 15, he says, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. I'm on my way. It's a key word in our lives, as you know. We're even to be ready to suffer for the Lord. Speaking of the Apostle Paul, he told his friends in Acts 21 and 13, he said, quit worrying about me. I'm ready to go to Jerusalem and if they put me in prison, I'm ready for that. If, If I die for the Lord, I'm ready for that. We prepare ourselves to come to worship on on the Lord's day. We prepare ourselves to come to Bible class. Yes, the word prepare, the idea of preparing is a key word in our hearts. There are two main categories of preparation I want us to think about today. The first one is useless preparation. And the second one is effective, useful preparation. We'll focus mainly on the first category this morning. Useless preparation. In our men's class the other day, we ran into the verse, Proverbs 12, verse 11 where there's a combination about following worthless pursuits, following worthless worthless pursuits, useless, vain, empty pursuits. Verse 12, verse 11. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2, talks about useless pursuits because he says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. Except the Lord watches over the city, you, you watch over it in vain. You, you who rise up early in the morning, go to bed late at night, and you eat the bread of toil and anxiousness, 
All that is in vain if the Lord is not, is not with you. So there is the idea of useless preparation. Notice, before we get into these specifics here, notice another illustration of useless preparation. This is way back. When's the last time you've been to the book of Nahum? Nahum, minor prophets, Nahum. Uh, Nahum, Nahum, Habakkuk. Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Okay. Uh, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Nahum, uh, chapter 3. In the Minor Prophets, we have a sequel to a main event here. The main event is in the book of Jonah. You remember that Jonah was sent to the, to the Assyrians, the Ninevites. And when Jonah finally went and preached his uh, short sermon there, Jonah chapter 3, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. We remember what happened from, from those in the highest positions on the cross. All of them got in sackcloth and ashes and they all repented. And God turned away from the destruction he was going to bring upon Nineveh. Well, now at Nahum, it is about a hundred years later, and Nineveh has gone back into wickedness, and now this time there will be no repentance. Okay, there will be no sackcloth and ashes. Uh, God is now fed up with them; uh, they have gone too far in their wickedness. Destruction is coming their way. But there's a little bit of sarcasm used in bringing the message to the Ninevites from Nahum, Nahum three, chapter three. And verses 14 and 15, in chapter 14, in verse 14 of Nahum 3, it said, you know, go draw you some water, go fortify your forts, you know, go dig in the land, get yourself ready, there's a siege coming. But then in verse 15 it says, well, you're going to be devoured by fire. Okay, You're going to be destroyed. There's an army coming, you're going to be destroyed. They're going to eat you up like locusts would eat up uh, plants and trees. Okay, And so they would start preparing... But it was too late. It was useless preparation they would be making. Well, that's just to set up the idea that it is possible to have useless, worthless preparation. Now let's specifically look at some samples of how that even we can be involved in useless uh, preparation. First of all, education without God is useless preparation. Education without God is useless uh, preparation. Of course, education has, has its place, especially learning to read and learning to write, learning to speak, learning to listen, learning to research and have logic and put things together all across different fields of study. It has its place, but if parents become overly enamored with little Susie, little Johnny's, uh, grades or a certain school that they might want to get into and then after that have a certain job. If they become enamored with that while neglecting you know, spiritual nourishment and neglecting spiritual responsibility before God and neglecting learning all about what is correct and what is right and what is wrong, then that becomes very tragic as you know. You have them in your life. I have them in my life. You have friends. You have relatives. I've got some nephews and some cousins that I'm working on. 
But you've got them in your life. You know folks who have achieved, you know, even upper levels of education. And you're proud for them for doing that. But their spiritual responsibility, their allegiance to God, to Christ and the church is now lagging behind. You have that, I have that. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 still reads, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of knowledge. What does that imply? That implies that in everything that we study, the Lord must be seen to be in that. The Lord is part of everything that we study. Or it's, it's really useless uh, preparation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's, it's foundational for us. There's a lot of people who know a lot of things, but then actually they know nothing. There's a lot of folks who know a lot about a lot of things, but in actuality, when it comes down to what is real and what is most important, they know nothing. Paul speaks to this in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 7 where he says that some are ever learning, they are ever learning, this is the ever-never club, they are ever learning but never come to the knowledge of the truth. And so it is useless preparation for us if our education is without God in the very center. This saying always pops up in my mind when I'm thinking about these things. I'll just share it with you. Okay. But it illustrates, I think, what we're talking about. I was once a, a tadpole swimming in the sea, and then I was a monkey swinging in the trees, and now I'm a biology teacher with a Ph.D. degree. It is God, it is God who says in Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool has said, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. It doesn't mean, of course, that someone who has a higher degree is necessarily a fool. But God is saying that those who put security in their education and leave God out, then that one is a fool. In the second place, physical well-being without taking care of the soul is useless preparation. Physical well-being without taking care of the soul is useless Preparation. Of course, taking care of our bodies is good and has its place, but there's only so much time in the day. There's only so much time in life itself. And speaking of time, how much time do you give to each? Taking care of the body and taking care of the soul. Have you written it down? Have you, have you figured it out? How many hours do you, do you think just contemplating about physical health but how many hours do you think contemplating about spiritual health? How much time do we put into actual taking care of our body versus the Bible study we put in, the prayer that we put in, 
the meditation that we put in, the fellowship we put in, the worship we put in, the sharing of God's truth that we put in, how does that look in my life? How does that look in each, in each person's life? Psalm 147, verse 10 is a good one to look at. Psalm 147, verses 10 and 11, it talks about God's delight. God's delight. God, it says there in Psalm 147, verse 10, God does not delight in the strength of a horse. And God does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. He does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. But rather, here's who... Here, it's who God delights in. God delights in those who fear Him and who hope in His steadfast love. God delights. I want to be on that side of the ledger, don't you? Don't you want to be on the side? Don't you want to be in that particular place? Don't you want to be that person who, in whom God delights? Well, fear Him and hope. Put your confidence, put your hope in His love. In His mercy. Of course, we remember Paul's words in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, where he says, Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. At best, I would say, we've got, looking at this audience Looking at this audience, I would say, if, I'm just taking average here, 60 years, if, if you've got 60 years left on this earth, you'd be doing pretty good, wouldn't you? If you could add 60 more years to your life, and I hope you do. I hope, I hope every one of you, I hope, I hope you get 60 plus years left. The idea here is that there's an end to the physical body, at least for now, there's an end to the physical body. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this judgment, Hebrews 9.27, and you know Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7 says, when we die, the body returns to the dust from whence it came, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. The soul never ends, but there's an end to this physical body that we have right now. Have, um, has it ever popped up on your phone? And under some kind of caption like this, uh, where are they now? Where are they now? Talking about the Hollywood stars, the professional stars of yesteryear. And if you click on that, what they're going to do, they're going to they're show you a picture of when these stars were young and how they look now. Okay. And just like when, when you and I look in the mirror, or when we look at old photos, there's a quite a big difference there. Uh, we were watching a little show the other night, and a commercial came on, and uh, this fellow was advertising Medicare. I know Kelly started saying it, I started saying, it, I said, well, who's that guy? He looks familiar. I said, yeah, he does. You know, it just starts bothering you. Okay, finally, we dawned on us. Who is that? That's Joe Montana. Joe Montana, former NFL football star, all now white-haired, and not much of that left. And, there, and he's advertising, and I watched him on TV on Sunday afternoons when I would rush home from church. I remember, I remember Joe Montana not that many years ago. There he is advertising 
Medicare. Where are you going to be 100 years from now? Where are you going to be? All of us will be someplace 100 years from now. Most of us, I hope you're here, if you want to be here 100 years from now. But most of us are going to be in, in eternity. In eternity. Taking care of the physical body to the neglect of the soul is useless uh, preparation. In the third place, wealth without God, of course, is useless preparation. A lot of folks put their security in, in financial matters. And again, it is useful. It, is, uh, it has its place in this life, obviously. But we've got to go to Luke chapter 12. We've got to go to Luke chapter 12 to really get a hold of the Lord's mind in this. Luke 12, Luke 12, Luke 12, 15, the Lord says... A man's life consists not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. So there's our memory verse, Luke 12, 15. A man's life consists not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. But Jesus has been preaching a sermon here. Everything that Jesus does is perfect. And if you look back in Luke 12, along about verse 10 to 12, he is preaching up a storm. He is talking about quit being scared, quit being anxious, be willing to stand up uh, for your Lord. Uh, the Lord has, has got your back. He's, he's talking about how the Lord will be with you. Confess His name and, and He'll confess your name in heaven. It's, it's that kind of context he's talking about, Luke 12, 10 to 12. And then this man interrupts him. A man interrupts his sermon. Who would have the audacity to interrupt Jesus in his sermon? This, this would be a perfect sermon. You know, people travel to brotherhood. They travel churches. They travel all over the place to run into the perfect sermon. Well, here it is. This, this is Jesus preaching. Everything he does is perfect. And, and this man interrupts him. And he says, Lord, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Really, that's it? That's what you got? You're going to interrupt the Lord for that? You're interrupting the Lord of Lords and King of Kings in preaching the truth because you got your mind on a piece of land? Really? Is that it? Is that what? Is your mind ever wondered in, during a sermon? I, I grew up where you're at right there. Brother Charles Bryant was standing up here at Curry Church of Christ near Smith Lake. You're standing right here. I'm right there. Okay. I'd, I, if I would purposely let my mind wander. Okay. I had plans during that afternoon, especially if it was a sunny day. Okay. I, would, I, knew, I know what that's all about. I sure do. This man, obviously, here in Luke 12, his mind is wandering. He's not, he's not, his mind is on the piece of land. It's not on what Jesus is saying. Lord, tell my brother to divide this land with me. Now, worship is a challenge. Being in Bible class is a challenge. We've got to leave that stuff at home. That's the kind of stuff, when we pray, help, Lord, help us to block those things that are secular out of our minds so we can just focus on you, holy, holy, holy is you. That's what we're talking about. That's, that's the teaching here. And this man is not doing that. This man has brought his stuff into worship time. He has brought his stuff to his Bible class here. He's got the preacher or teacher of all teachers ahead of him 
talking and he's got his mind on a piece of land of all things. Let that remind us that when we come to worship, it's a challenging time. We must work on ourselves to be here and to be focused on what is going on. This man, he illustrates Luke 18, Luke 8, verse 14 for us. You know, when Jesus gave the parable of the sower and he said, here are the things that are going to choke out the seed. Okay, cares, pleasures, and riches. Okay, this is, this is your illustration right here. This man is getting the word, the seed, preached to him, a perfect sermon by the perfect man, by the Son of God himself, and his mind is on his land. And his brother cares, pleasures, riches of this life. That's what happens. It chokes out the word. I wonder if that guy ever got the message that day. Did he ever really hear anything that Jesus said? Well, from this occasion... Jesus gives a story about this guy who was all rich and he had, the, the, the ground had been good to him and he had big barns, we needed bigger barns. He says, look at all that I have accomplished, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build me some bigger barns, I'm going to store this and I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to say to myself, say to my soul, eat, drink and be merry, take it easy for a while. You deserve all this, you've got all this. Verse 20 though, in the story, Jesus tells God calls him a fool. Thou fool. This is God's estimation of the situation. Thou fool. Thou fool. And then the Lord uses a little irony here. He, he does a little play on words because the fellow has gone all over the place and he's talking to himself, by the way, little hint here, if you start talking to yourself, you might ought to step back and pray about it. Because here, here's this rich fool, and he begins to talk to himself. And, and it's, it's all about what he has accomplished. And so, in verse 20, when God speaks to the man, he says, thou fool, thou fool, this night your soul is going to be required of you. That is, you're going to die. And then... These things that you have provided, who shall it be? But notice the Lord says to him, these things you have provided. Well, the man hadn't provided this. The, the, the Lord provides our blessings. The man had not provided this. But the man had gone on and on about how he's built all this up. So the Lord just uses his own words. He says, okay, these things that you have provided, where are they going to be tonight? You're about to die. Your soul is required of you. And so then Jesus concludes it in verse 21, of course, says, this is how it is for everyone who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich uh, toward God. Luke 12 just explains this idea to us, that wealth without God is useless preparation. In the fourth place, social networking, we'll just say it like that, social networking without God is useless. A lot of people put a lot of stock into their skills of, of connection. They, they put a lot of security into how well connected they are with other people, with the right people, with the right people. And they work very hard to spend a lot of time making sure that they stay connected to those who can most help them uh, in their life. And it brings uh, some comfort I'm convinced that 
those who are either haphazard with their relationship with God or just outright evil, they surround themselves with other people of the same mode of living and comfort themselves and bring themselves a false hope in their condition. Check out a verse about this. Proverbs 11.21. Proverbs 11.21. We have a little bit of different translation here, but I kind of like it when it happens. It helps explain uh, verses. The newer versions in in Proverbs 11.21 says, Most assuredly, uh, those who do evil will not go unpunished. And that's what the verse is, really. Those who do evil. Most assuredly, uh, those who do evil will not go unpunished. But the King James and the American Standard translate that verse a little bit better on this occasion because it's more literal. The literal translation there has the words hand in hand. And I think the King James does it like this. Though hand be joined to hand, nevertheless those who do evil will not go unpunished. In other words... Though you may make all the connections in the world, you may, make, you may make the very best connections that this world has to offer, still, still, you and your buddies are still going to meet God one day. You will not go unpunished. So that becomes this social network, this social, meeting people and, and talking to the right people that's going to do the most for you in this life. That's a big habit even among Christians. But God has a warning about that. You see, the kind of social networking we need to be doing is found in Matthew 25. And Jesus speaks in Matthew 25 and verse 40. He says, um, When you have served the least of these, then you are with me. As you have served the least of these, and you have done this unto me. What's, the, what's Jesus been talking about? He's been talking about helping those who can't help themselves. Okay. He's talking about, you know, I was, uh, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was uh, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you came and visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. These are the least of these that Jesus is talking about. He says, as you have served the least of these, then you have done it unto me. This is the kind of social networking the Lord expects of us. He wants us to be well connected, but not well connected to those who can help us out. But rather, well connected to those who we can bring light of the Lord to them. We can help them out. We can serve them. And finally... Let's see, what have we talked about? Wealth without God is useless preparation. Social networking without God is useless. Taking care of the physical body, neglecting the soul is useless. Education without God is useless. You know, being a Christian without boldness, we'll just end it here. Being a Christian without boldness is useless. These are the words of the Lord. Okay. Going back, way back, 
to his simple teachings, Matthew 5, we're going to see this teaching. But think about a person who has who has sought out, who understands that they're separated from God and they, they need the Lord's forgiveness. They, they search and they find that, that through Jesus, only Jesus can, can this happen and, and this truth is uh, found in the gospel and they, they search and they listen and they learn about turning away from sin and the importance of, of allegiance to Jesus and then finally as they ought to, they're baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, as Acts 2.38 teaches. And so now they've been forgiven, and now the Lord is ready to use them, and then they, they don't do anything. There, there's no boldness. There's no standing up uh, for Christ. There's no sharing of His gospel. They just got what they came for, and then that uh, pretty much just uh, ends. Well, Jesus has something to say about that. Matthew 5, in verses 13 to 15. He says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, it is thenceforth, these are the words of the Lord, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trampled, to be thrown on the ground, trampled under the foot of men. That's the Lord speaking to us. He's brought us, He's made us this light. Okay. When we become a Christian, we are now a light for the Lord. What do we, what do, we do with it? Okay. We're now the salt of the earth. A couple of verses later, the Lord says, you are the light of the world. But what if somebody has a light and they bring it in and put it under, under a bushel or put it under a basket? Is that going to do anything for the room? Not at all. Jesus once said on another occasion, Luke 9, 51, 52, He said, no man, hooding, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Well, many people have put their hand to the plow. They're ready to do some sowing for the Lord, but they keep looking back. And the Lord says, you're not fit. Useless preparation. Hopefully this evening we'll talk about effective, useful preparation, the good Lord willing. But right now let's stop and, and let these thoughts from God's Word enter into our hearts. And if you see a spiritual need that you know exists in your heart, in your life, we stand here, we are here, not just now, but any time throughout any day, to assist you with any spiritual need. Will you come right now as we stand together and as we sing?